What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. We're here today to talk about the Richmond Tigers. I'm your host, Jono. Joining me today is my co-host, Liam. Hello, everybody. Another team we've got coming in with a late start in the AFLW came in 2020, but they're slowly picking up and you can see they're building that little bit of depth to their team. Yeah, Richmond is going to be one of those teams just loaded with top-end talent. And so if we can see them gradually get a few more wins, probably going to see a few more ceiling scores from their superstars. Do you want to give us a quick overview of their time in the AFLW? Yeah, for sure. So Richmond came in in 2020 as an expansion club, really struggled in their first season and had zero wins. And then they've kind of hit a bit of a holding pattern in 2021 and in season six with only three wins in both seasons. Now, they're led by their inaugural captain, Katie Brennan, who's a superstar power forward. And then they're also rounded out by their their coach, Ryan Ferguson, who's been at the club for the last three years. Yeah, they've got a lot of top-end talent, I have to say. I don't think there are many better players out there in the comp than than Mon Conti. Yeah, look, you kind of can't talk about Richmond without talking about Mon Conti. She just accumulates best and fairest awards like they're going out of fashion. Literally every single year she's played in the AFL, she's won a best and fairest. And last year she was an All-Australian. She just moves different. She moves at a different speed to everybody else, both going fast and going slow. She is immediately recognisable whenever she has the ball in her hands and you just see people not knowing what to do about her speed and her movement. Did you have any of the Tigers in your team last season? Yeah, look, I jumped on Katie Brennan in round two, thinking that she was just going to be the forward that you had to have. She was have, she was getting CBAs, she was playing as a forward, but she is one of those players that can just move a substantial uh, distance around the ground, covers a lot of area, and therefore there's a lot of opportunities for marks and rebounds that meant that I thought she was going to be 100% worthwhile. Now, ultimately, she was just kind of someone that sat in the mid-50s, kind of low 60s range for scoring, but someone that still will factor in as a kind of key forward to think about in Season 7. Yeah, those those 50s and 60s from a forward must have been really tough for you to have. That's yeah, a real look, struggle. Look, yeah, but <laughs> you, like, you love the I, high I ceiling it. scores from a captain. You're not about the, the low average consistency, which Katie look, Brennan definitely delivers. Like she is consistent, but you'd prefer to see higher scores. Like we saw what Gabby O'Sullivan did at Fremantle when she got thrown in the midfield, kind of smashing out those tackles and those possessions. That's more what you want. And even then, someone like a, a Tara Bohana could still hit higher scores than Katie Brennan. We'll chat about it later. But obviously, there were some role changes and injuries that really affected Richmond that meant that kind of she was capped at 65. I think I probably on top of that had Megan Keeley kind of running through my midfield as a pretty young player there. But one player that I looked at all season but never had the chance to bring in was Gabby Seymour. Gabby being the, the ruck for the Richmond Tigers. And she is so good at the spread, running around the ground, quite undersized compared to some of the other rucks, but a real, real talent to our fantasy teams getting around the ground. Alongside Moody at Carlton, Seymour is the second highest scoring AFLW ruck. And someone that typifies the idea that once the ball hits the ground, your ruck should become an extra mid. And just being that much closer, she really is able to cover a lot of ground and also get to the next contest, continuously be there for the follow-up work, which means that her fantasy scores are always supplemented by extra tackles, extra handballs, which is really handy when you're looking for ceiling scores from your rucks. Now, Mel and you actually had a chance to catch up with Gary Seymour a little bit earlier. 
I think we might just jump straight across to that interview just because it sounded so interesting hearing about her early days in the AFLW and you know, what, what's going to be happening at the Richmond Tigers this season ahead. I'm joined today by Gabby Seymour, Ruck at Richmond Football Club and Liam, co-host of the AFLW Fantasy Pod Free Kick. So very excited to be able to chat to you, Gabby, because you've had a, uh, a very interesting transition from a different sport into VFLW and then into AFLW. How's that been? Yeah, it's kind of a bit of a whirlwind, to be honest. But yeah, I think I sort of call myself a footballer now rather than calling myself a volleyballer. So I think that means I'm starting to sort of, yeah, feel like I fit in and understand the sport a little bit more. But no, it's it's pretty awesome. Like the football world is just such a inviting place and there's so many incredible people um, in that environment. It's, yeah, just a privilege really to be a part of it. So how did you get from like volleyball to football? What inspired that change? Yeah, it is a little bit of a a random story because I didn't really have a great reason. I can't say behind why I started football. Um, Yeah, I sort of finished my, well, didn't finish. I was still playing volleyball sort of up until like my uni years and yeah, sort of played in like the national junior team and that sort of thing. So to pursue volleyball at that time um, in Australia options were pretty limited Um, I probably would have had to look to go overseas into the college system and yeah at that time that just wasn't really something I was that interested in but around about that time as well the AFLW was sort of just starting to kick off as a thing and I can't say I was a a mad football supporter at that time I did support Richmond which I think is important (laughs) yes I other than maybe like Trent Cotchen. Uh, I don't think I could <laughs> name too many of the other players. So I think I was a bit of a, a shallow fan, but yeah, a fan nonetheless. My my boyfriend, Nick, plays down at the Basin Football Club, which is just local club out in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And I started going down to some of his games and I was started like kicking the ball at half time and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, actually. Like, I, I really like this. And Um, We went on a holiday shortly afterwards and I was like, Nick, I want to learn how to kick a footy because at the time when I say I was kicking the footy, like, I mean, no one knew where that ball was going sort of thing. Like, it was lucky if it came off my foot. So, yeah, on our first day of our holiday, we went and spent three hours down at the local Oval um, learning how to kick the ball off my foot. And, yeah, my foot was so sore the next day that I had to take a day off. But... <laughs> it was yeah, pretty much any time that I got the chance to yeah, um, we had a spare fifteen minutes or whatever. I was just really like captured, I think, by trying to learn a new skill, and especially because I would have been sort of nineteen, twenty at that kind of time. Sort of learning a new skill when you're a little bit older and probably have well, not a lot, but maybe a little bit more wisdom about um, some of the challenges for how you should sort of go around learning a new skill. It was really cool to try and do that at that time. Um, And then literally there was an ad on Facebook for Richmond women's VFLW trials um, because Richmond had like just gotten their team at that time. Um, And I was like, oh, like I go for Richmond and like I play footy. Well, I'm learning to kick a ball. Like, I don't know, maybe I can just like, go and see what this is like and I, and I sort of just thought it would be lots of people who 
were like me and hadn't played footy before, but, you know, they'd come from other sports or whatever. And yeah, it would just sort of be a fun, you know, come try thing. And I was like, oh yeah, why not? So I put my name down for it. And yeah, I rock up at this trial and like, I was so out of my league. Like I didn't even like bring football boots. I didn't have football <laughs> boots. So yeah, I just had like runners and yeah, all these girls are like kicking the ball around and like chipping it around with their boots and, you know, kit and stuff. And I was like, oh God, like I've messed up here. <laughs> and then we did all these like practice games and stuff and yeah, um, they were really good and I wasn't really good. Like I just had no idea where I was going. Like, oh yeah, it was a real shambles. But um, for some reason, a couple of days later, much to my surprise, I got a call from the Richmond recruiters and they said, well, look, we know you haven't played much footy, but like we love that you gave it a crack. We, we loved your attitude. Um, and, you know, we sort of thought there was enough from what we saw that we're, we're sort of willing to give you a go. So, yeah, they sort of gave me um, – they said, come and train with our VFL squad up until Christmas and we'll just kind of see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I started going down to VFL trainings and I pretty quickly got one of their coaches uh, on my side and said, I know I've never played before, but I really want to learn, like help me learn pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, we'd be out there sort of 30 minutes before most training started, just trying to like learn to kick, learn to handball, just – learn the real basics of the skills and yeah I, I started getting better pretty quickly because that was you know what three days a week or whatever that I'd be doing that plus the trainings yeah. like yeah I started picking things up pretty quickly and I'd sort of recruit Nick as well and be practicing those things at home and yeah Richmond kind of said oh you're getting heaps better and we like what we're seeing you know stay on uh till the end of the preseason, which I think was March and then it got to March and they were like have a spot on our VFLW list and I was like amazing how good's this and then yeah um in round five I played my debut for VFLW up in Darwin um got best on ground in my first game <laughs> yeah it was oh that was just the best weekend like yeah it was um yeah I still didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest, but I think I was just so pumped to be there. Like, I was just like, oh, see ball, get ball sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, four games later, I got offered a AFLW contract um, as a rookie. So, Is that the yeah. video that uh, I think we've seen online about um, yeah. your partner coming in? Yeah, yeah, that's Nick. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh, that was so exciting to watch. Yeah. And- <laughs> Special moment. <laughs> And so you kind of came in from the VFL team and then have joined an expansion club. What yeah. was that? What was it like being around a club kind of going through that now? Because obviously we're all interested to see what that's going to be like. There's probably about 10 times as many people doing that this yeah. year with all yep. the expansion clubs. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see. I mean, at the time, I guess I really didn't know anything different. Um, so it was just all of a, you know, a new process and yeah, we're pretty lucky at, at, at Richmond. We've always had some incredible staff and that sort of thing around us. But, um, yeah, we, we were actually talking because it, it was almost like it wasn't until the first season was done that we reflected on, oh, like what a process and, you know, how difficult it is to be a new team coming into the competition. And I think especially for us as well, because in the VFLW, we'd sort of been a fairly 
dominant team for a good period of time. Like I can't remember exactly, but we were like 8-0 or something um, in the first couple of games of the season. And then I think because, you know, you've been winning and everything like that at that level, when you go up to the next level, you're sort of still expecting to, you know, win. And you're like, yeah, we're a good team. Like, you know, we're in finals in the VFLW and stuff like that. And then you go up to the AFLW and, oh, that was, yeah, just a different level. <laughs> yeah, we didn't win, it, win a game and that sort of thing. And we can look back on that now. And at the end of the day, we've learned so much from that first season and, yeah, I guess like I do feel like um, that sort of set us up for hopefully our future success and that sort of thing because of what we've learned in that season. But yeah, it is incredibly difficult to be an expansion team. Um, and I'll, I'll be watching very interested in the, the four new teams coming in this year. Mm, I wonder if the Bombers are going to suffer from what you kind of mentioned there of being like a, a big fish in a small pond uh, with yeah. the BFL and then coming in <laughs> like super excited and then being like, oh, <laughs> this is a different league. Exactly. It'll, it'll be really interesting. Although I must say the Bombers have recruited quite well. So, yeah, I'll, I will be very interested to see how that unfolds. So you were kind of having a chat about setting up for success in Season 7. Coming out of Season 6, how did how was the mood at the club? And then are there any expected big changes to, to the game plan or the play style as a result of how Season 6 went? Yeah. Yeah, Season 6, I think, for us in some ways was quite a frustrating season because we sort of felt like we were doing a lot right and we'd taken some really big steps forward, um, you know, I think, like for Richmond, each year of the competition, we've sort of taken a massive step forward in terms of our game plan and in terms of our skill level and that sort of thing. And I think in, in season six, we were hit with some injuries to some really sort of significant personnel um, mm. in our team. And I think probably what that made us realise and what that sort of showed is, and I think this is sort of across AFLW in general, is because we've only got 30 on our list and, you know, 21 girls play each week. You sort of not a lot has to go wrong for you to be using every one of those 30 girls on the list. And that's sort of what we discovered last year was as we sort of saw in our first round against St Kilda when we had a fully fit squad, like uh, round two, Harriet Cordner goes out with a ACL, Hannah Birchall a couple of rounds later. We had Sarah Darcy out with COVID. We had Maddie Shevlin out with COVID. Like, and all of a sudden that 21 who played the first week, like, we were down to like 14 or something that were then available to play in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and I think at that time, we probably just didn't sort of quite have the depth in our squad just yet. Girls who've been at the club for six weeks at AFL Dolphin squad, and that's a massive ask of, of anyone, um, especially yeah, when you sort of haven't got as many senior players and that sort of thing around to support them. So, yeah, and to their credit, those girls, you know, I still think they did an amazing job, but there's still, I guess, there is a difference between someone who's been around for a couple of years versus someone who's been around for all of six weeks. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it was kind of in, in watching all the games last year, you could kind of see as well, there were just some shifts in game time in different positions. So someone like Katie Brennan, who had in seasons past chopped out more time in the ruck, it looked like she had a more permanent forward role. Was yeah. that something that kind of made it more difficult as well, just players who are otherwise, you know, cross-training in positions, having to kind of lock themselves, particularly in the forward line where you guys were hit with some pretty rough injuries? Yeah. Well, I think that's probably where we did pretty well with our recruiting last year, like Poppy Kelly coming to the club. 
mind you, actually, she was another one from round one who yeah. was out for four weeks with like a fractured leg. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it just meant that like girls sometimes, um, you know, if you're fit and healthy, then you would be playing, and there's not that much room to sort of move people around or try someone in a different position. It's kind of just like oh. Especially the key position stocks, we got, you know, I think we only had three available key position players at sort of one stage. So, yeah, you, you can't get too many different looks with that, I think. No, you can't uh, throw someone around to change up the game plan a little bit, change the speed. It's very much, oh, well, you're a key forward or you're Sarah Miller in defence, you will stay there. You were mentioning some of the other players that you've got on the team. Um, someone that I loved watching on the TV and in person last year was Mon Conti. She's just so nimble when she plays, so fast. Um, what's it like playing with someone who's racked up so many awards? Yeah, she's just an absolute star, isn't she? I, I love watching Mon Conti too sometimes. <laughs> I think I get distracted from actual playing because I'm thinking, oh, wow, that was good. Um <laughs> But, yeah, no, it, it's awesome. Like, you love having her on your team. Like, she's just an absolute weapon. And I think the thing that she really brought last year was, like, some more consistency across her game. It was sort of well, – I, I think previously, I mean, she's always been a star. But I think the thing that happened last year was the difference between her best games and her not best games was, was – absolutely minimal and she sort of was able to provide really solid input week in week out and I think that's sort of a thing that's really going to allow her her and the team to succeed into the future and yeah hopefully rack up a few more awards. She's just one of those players where you see have the ball and she just appears to move at a different speed to everybody else she makes everyone else seem very slow. Oh tell me about it. I was trying to chase her down last night at training. <laughs> Another player in the midfield that we're super keen to see and a former VFLW teammate potentially is Grace Egan, who's come across from Carlton. How is she fitting into the team and the midfield rotation? Yeah, yeah, we're loving having Gracie back at Richmond. As you mentioned, yeah, we've obviously played some VFLW with her and Grace's character is something I think just fits in so well amongst the, the midfield group and that sort of thing. Like, kind of feels like she's been there the whole time to be honest you sort of have to remind yourself that you know she's only been back at the club six weeks or whatever since we started pre-season but yeah I think she's going to be a real weapon for us again just providing that little bit more depth across the across the midfield um and yeah having a really valuable input she's an absolute ball yeah good luck winning a contested ball against her I reckon hopefully she's uh she's learned from former teammate Maddie Presbarkas who used to be cut from the same cloth Yes, exactly right. I think she learned a couple of tricks off her, so now she's got to teach them to us as well. Yeah, 100%. One final, like a, a quick question for you as well. Uh, on your little write-up, you're called, uh, they called you a formidable but undersized ruck. What's it like kind of rucking against some absolute giants? I kind of love being undersized. I don't know. There's just sort of like every week you sort of feel like, not that there's an expectation on you or whatever, but almost a lack of in the sense it's sort of like oh you know she's a lot shorter than that one or whatever it is so you sort of go in with this bit of like a, a fearless attitude in the sense you're like well what have I got to lose you know you're a foot taller than me like you're a, you know everyone would expect you to win so I, I am I do also come from a bit of a running background so like I do take a bit of confidence a lot of the time that I feel like you know what you might be taller than me but I reckon if it's a foot race or we got to run around all day, I reckon 
my legs might last a little bit longer than yours. So <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah. We're more than happy to watch that as both fans of the game, but then also fantasy fans because your work around the ground makes you one of the elite fantasy scoring rucks. So if you could keep oh. doing what you're doing, that would be much appreciated. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah, delightful. I can hear it in your voice, like the, the kind of like underdog excitement and even seeing that, that video of you getting the mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've just never really stopped being excited about, like, the fact that I get to, like, well, number one, play sport in general, but I'm like, this is my job to play sport. Like, how cool is this? Like, I don't know. Just kind of never gets old, I think. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, sure. one more question. If if we could get your recommendation on, like, one player for Richmond this year who's going to, you know, really step up their game, make a big difference, could be someone new, could be someone playing a new position, who would it be? Yeah, I reckon Ellie McKenzie is absolutely one to watch out for. Obviously, last year, due to injury, um, had a really affected preseason. And, you know, we probably didn't see her quite hit uh, the heights of her, her first year, um, which is understandable given she had such a long period of time that she, you know, wasn't able to run or anything like that. But, yeah, coming off a full preseason, she's fit, she's strong, she's, yeah, back to her elite best. So, you know, between her, Mon Conti, Grace Egan and Sarah Hosking running around in the midfield, it's, yeah, it's going to be, uh, yeah. Hopefully good things to come. Yeah, exactly right. That's the plan. Now the undersized rock just has to uh, get the job done. But <laughs> nah, they can clean it up for me. <laughs> I think Conti's that fast. No matter who taps the ball, I reckon she can get to it. Exactly right. Yeah, I can rest on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, it's been so great getting to chat to you. Thank you for making the time. No worries. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. Yeah, you too. Bye. Gee, that was uh, fantastic to hear about. I mean, her coming into the AFLW with almost no footy experience whatsoever, jumping on in the runners and and coming out and, and somehow finding her way onto an AFLW team is really incredible. Uh, her story is absolutely fascinating. And to have gone from that to being top three in the Richmond Best and Fairest twice in the past and being someone who can compete against the top rucks every week, her story is just awesome to hear. And I think a lot of it really comes back to that positive mindset that she's got. She's just got this belief in herself that she can do anything. She is just like so happy to be there. And I know that we talked about it in the interview, but if you haven't watched it already, go and find that video of her celebrating taking a mark in the goal square. <laughs> she has a passion and an enthusiasm for football that I wish I had for my work. And it's awesome. Oh, it's so it. infectious to watch, honestly. I would love to be able to have that sort of enthusiasm at any point in my life, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome. Awesome to chat to. Well, I suppose looking back at that interview, it's obviously great talking to Gabby, but I want to hear your opinions on what is the biggest fantasy takeaway that we might have gotten out of that? The impact that injuries had on Richmond last year, and it's something that's kind of rung true with a lot of teams and players that we've talked to, which is given the truncated nature of the rosters, all you need is a couple of injuries in a certain line or to a certain style of player. And it can really cause massive problems to your team game plan. And then that flows on to scoring as well. So the idea that key position stocks were decimated at Richmond, I'd say the key fantasy takeaway 
how that had to lock in certain players playing in certain positions. I know that might seem pretty self-evident. We could probably figure it out just looking at their injury list last year. But I think to hear it from a player as well really rings home that all it takes is a couple of injuries and it can really derail a season. But then on the back end of that, it might create additional opportunities the season after where players get to hit better potential in more natural positions. Yeah, the first game that I watched last season was actually that Richmond St Kilda game, and it I know the first game of the season. First game of the season, and I I know that St Kilda didn't have the greatest season last year, but I watched that and I went, wow, Richmond are really going to come out and dominate this year. Their midfield in particular was just all over it. I, I couldn't believe how organised they looked, and I thought, you know, they're in for a really really good season. And I mean, it was really sad watching those injuries come and and some of those COVID affected girls because you did end up with you know, a lot slower gameplay and and they just couldn't move the ball like they were in those early rounds. Yeah, and you could really see that the kind of players that move a lot more around the ground, like Katie Brennan, who we were chatting about earlier, massively impacted by playing one specific role. In this instance, it was no ruck time, no mid time, no work up the ground, play as a key forward, sit in the goal square, try and kick marks, kick goals. And she's very good at that as a former leading goal kicker. But it's really difficult to hit ceiling scores when you're limited to 50 metres in front of you and that's, that's your domain, that's, all, that's the only spot you can go. And to hear that that was almost certainly impacted by there's no other key position players. You've got to kick bags and that's it. Yeah. Well, look, we might jump into a bit of line-by-line analysis then. Starting with defenders, one thing that I know we're really excited about is the fact that Libby Graham has moved across from the GWS Giants over to Richmond. And it's, it's less about what Libby Graham brings because she's a bit of a lockdown defender, but it's more about now that she's able to contribute in that back line, how does that free up some of the other players there and, and really help some of those high possession getters improve their fantasy games? I was actually an owner of Libby Graham last year because she was a bargain price player and then played three games at, at GWS and averaged in 35s. And that was all I needed in the weeks that she was actually my starting squad. But I think the big thing is that she's over 180 centimetres tall and even chopped it in the ruck last year for GWS. I think that what her being there might do, it might free up, say, Jess Hosky, who's played as a high-possession player in the past at Carlton. What that's going to do by having an additional key position player, it will mean that an undersized kind of centre-half back like Jess Hosky give her more space to move. And then I think the same applies to someone like Kate Dempsey, who played off a halfback wing last year. Her exact position, fantasy-wise, isn't locked in at this stage. But again, another running player who likes to get the ball and get it a fair amount of the time. Additional key position defender stocks will definitely have a flow-on effect to their game style moving off halfback. Yeah, I think with Jess Hosking, she really had some some decent games last year, but she was clearly being hampered by her need to sort of lock down on a few players. I think she had a, a pretty low season score at one point. Uh, I'm trying to remember which game it was. I think it was the one against West Coast, where they did play quite well, but they just couldn't they couldn't get her free at any stage. Yeah, and you kind of look at what she'd done the season prior at Carlton. She's hitting that pretty consistent sixty range, which may not be incredible for your starting squad. It might not give you the value that you want. But importantly, at the back end of the season, someone who hits pretty consistent 60s as an upgrade target for a rookie who's hitting 40s, she's the kind of player, particularly if there's good matchups, someone that you might want to target if the role has changed as a result of additional key position stocks. So definitely one to keep an eye on. But again, 
I'm not suggesting, you know, lock starting side type material, just one to watch. The Richmond Tigers also lost a couple of their taller defenders back there. Is it a case really of maybe just one in, one out, and it doesn't really make too much of a difference that Libby Graham's come in? Yeah, look, I, I, I 100% hear what you're saying. They did lose Makua Chut to Hawthorne, and then they also lost Sarah Sansonetti, which may ultimately have an impact. Sarah Sansonetti was someone who, as much as they were starting on the bench, did play in a decent number of games in 2020. I just think, though, that the kind of young talent that Libby Graham is, I'm bullish on the idea that she'll free up at least one extra defender to play less of a lockdown key position role at Richmond. But again, not locking that in stone. Great. Well, good, I guess, to, to know that we've got a little bit of value back there. Moving on to the midfields, because this is one of the most interesting midfield dynamics I think I've seen in the competition, because Mon Conti is an absolute star. It's a case of when she's going to win the league best and fairest, rather than if she will, to my mind. Yeah, 100%. But I suppose it's about finding the dynamic around it, which sort of brings in that support and you know, it really chops her out a little bit because she is subject to a little bit of a tag sometimes. Yeah, Mon Conti, it's not only that she cops a tag, it's that quite often she's going to let her feet do the movement with the ball. We were talking about her earlier, how she just moves a bit different different speed to everyone else. But that also came with, without a super consolidated midfield at Richmond and then maybe a kind of Robin to her Batman, quite often she was the only one who was able to possess the ball and there wasn't someone else to kind of get those cheap hand passes and then hand pass receives or the cheap kind of diagonal kick that then Monconti can run off. From a fantasy perspective, she was hampered by being this behemoth of a player in a midfield that kind of had some decent enough players rolling through, but really not someone who could match her running and her movement level. If that's the case, I'm just thinking this season, they've now got some players back and, you know, there's a, there's a bit of support coming in by way of Grace Egan from Carlton. Is this the year perhaps that we want to be picking up Mon Conti as she's being freed up or is it about picking up the players coming in to support her? I'm not 100% set on this either way. I kind of chop and change because Grace Egan and then hearing, hearing Gabby talk about Grace as being just this inside bull that's super interesting to me because Grace is someone who played as kind of an inside mid winger, half forwardish role at Carlton, just given the number of different mids that they had. She's coming in to play a permanent midfield role and it's an inside midfield role. You've got to be super tempted by her, given she'll be probably underpriced by about 10 points. But then I think the bigger upside is Monconti. I don't see Grace Egan taking those away. Monconti's not a big tackler, but what could be good is someone able to get the ball out to her more and who has the running capability. Like Grace Egan is another young, high potential midfielder. Yeah, I really like it. The way that they're structuring the game this year, the AFLW fantasy platform, is that they, they're trying to move us away from that guns and rookie approach that we had last year. And they want to try and push more people into the forward lines and defenders just so that we have a little bit more, I suppose, value to work with. And that's probably going to mean that we're going to need to get value out of every player rather than just picking the best of the best. To me, Mon Conti is one who is potentially not just the best of the best, but also might present that value this year because she's going to be getting, as you say, those one-twos and a little bit more freedom to kick the ball and run out of the pack rather than having to get it herself and maybe be handballing it or, or getting tackled. 
So I think the big thing with with Mon Conti and and Grace Egan is we're really going to need to watch how they work together in the preseason. So unfortunately for us fantasy coaches, they're going up against a pretty unproven commodity in the preseason in Hawthorne. Now I know John is a big Hawthorne supporter; he's going to poo-poo that idea. We don't know <laughs> whether or not they're going to be a you know a strong defensive running team. We really aren't going to know. I I have a bad feeling that it's going to be a case of the great players are going to be able to do whatever they like, which for Mon Conti is run around and make everybody look silly. But I still think that that's a must-watch game because Mon Conti is someone, Gabby talked about it. She was pretty consistent last year, which is something that she'd not been able to do in the past. But I I think anyone that watches her knows that there's more fantasy potential in her. There's another 10 points of scoring she can do per game. And I just don't think that there's any comparison player in AFLW or or in AFL men's to the way that she plays. Yeah, look, I hear what you're saying. I think the Hawks will be a pretty good test early on because the players that they've got in there, some of them play with a lot of flair, but I know that there's been a big focus on bringing aggression this preseason. So we'll get to the Hawks in due time and talk about what their midfield is going to look like. I'm excited to see that preseason game and, and I really hope that a few people get down there. I'm certainly going to be there. Yeah, look, I'd love to be proven wrong on this one. I'd love to see Mon Conti get tested and Grace Egan to kind of see their full potential, but colour me sceptical. Look, another player that is going to be running through that midfield is one that Gabby Seymour picked for us and one that was playing a little bit off half forward last season. So she might be listed as a forward again, but that's Ellie McKenzie. Yeah, Ellie McKenzie, young player, super high finisher in the rising star but unfortunately had to come off an injury midway through the season last year. And it pretty clearly showed in her scoring. Unfortunately, her ceiling scores, which she hadn't shown in her first season in 2021, became evident in 2022, where I think she might have even had a single-digit score at some point throughout the season. Yeah, she factoring in her a six last year. She's someone that in her first year had an average of 60. And the 60 as a forward, as a third-year player, and I know that we haven't talked about it necessarily a whole bunch in this podcast, but it's a pretty known commodity in AFLM, which is the third-year breakout. You kind of have your couple of pre-seasons under your belt and you're really able to then explode from that and, and show your full potential at a younger age. I think Ellie McKenzie is someone that we definitely need to be considering as an F2 slash F3 type. And I suppose there's something to be said as well about the fact that her first few seasons have all come under this COVID cloud and there are games being moved. There's a lot harder to get into trainings and, and have that consistency in your game. I'm really excited for someone who we've just rolled off season six and then almost, I mean, there was about a month off before they got back into pre-season training, maybe a couple couple months. And it's it really brings a lot of continuity in your game. And I can really see Ellie coming in and I suppose, hitting the ground running in this season. And, and I'm really excited to see what that looks like with a bit more support in Grace Egan there who can provide a bit of that tackling pressure because that, I think when you've got one player in your midfield that goes in hard and provides that that contested ball, it makes everyone else look better. So that's what I'm really excited for, for Ellie McKenzie. It's a big vote of confidence when a ruck says that someone who's previously played as a forward is now rolling through the midfield is going to be someone to really watch for and have a bigger impact. Before then, she's someone that kind of sat on the periphery of my of my structuring and my team research, but she's now front and centre. I think it, almost irrespective of pre-season watch, I'd say if we see any CBAs, I think she's in. Definitely one to watch. Uh, we've pretty much already jumped into the forwards, but just to carry on, I think we need to talk about Katie Brennan again because she she's incredible and... 
if we're talking about a player who might get freed up to to move around a little bit more, she's one that we can definitely have a look at. If she can get freed up, she's someone that in round one just monstered St Kilda before they were kind of injury struck. I'm not 100% sure that they've brought in the forward stocks to allow her to do that. And that means that I don't think that someone who scores 50s and kicks two goals is someone that you're probably going to be targeting to bring into your side. Maybe maybe she's like in round nine, round 10, has a great run, but I'm not I'm not high on KB this year. Yeah, because I... I feel like if she can get into the middle at all, which it doesn't take a lot, it might just be everyone coming back from injury and just playing a little bit more consistently because their forward stocks in terms of talls are definitely quite thin, but a lot of teams play with small forward lines and it might just be a case of play a little bit smaller every now and then and let KB run through the middle because when she does, her scoring is incredible. Her her impact on games is incredible. You could even put Gabby Seymour up forward every now and then just as as the only other tall, let her play through the ruck because she has got that flexibility, KB. Her ceiling's 80. I reckon she could average 70, 75. When she's playing as a key forward, it's 55. I think that risk is too high in a season when we're going to have a lot of value players. I don't think she's starting side material for me. I'd really need to see pretty consistent change in order to be able to like launch into it. And even then, even when she's scoring like 50s and 60s, just like looking through it now, there's a three bag in there. There's another three goals. There's a two goals, two or two goals. You sound like you're worried about her not scoring goals, but she does. She just scores goals every week. She's so consistent. She's a high scoring forward for a reason. In the final game of the year, she had six possessions for 30 points and she still kicked two goals too. And that was against GWS who were, Credit to them, still pretty ropey last year. They could not do anything and she still couldn't score more than 30 points. Yeah, well, I hear that. But, I mean, she's also someone who can score 30 points from six possessions. That's that's a high-impact player right there. Oh, yeah. I I hear your concern. I hear your concern. But we're talking about a, a forward in a Richmond team that we know was struck by injuries and was really struggling to convert wins and scoring. And she still managed to put up a very, very respectable year as a forward. I, I know that she's not necessarily going to be the highest scoring player this year. And if Richmond struggle again, there is a, there is a ceiling to how well she can do. I just think that if, if they can really get that midfield working again, the ball's going to be in the forward line a lot more. And KB just needs to be around it a little bit more. And she will be tearing it up. If anyone does bring her in, pr- please let me know so I can I can tell Liam about how many people are actually going to start her this season. Oh, just don't, yeah, don't don't mention her when she <laughs> scores well because now that I've said this and it's recorded and it's like in the permanent record, she'll have a bloody <laughs> bonzer season and I'll look like a moron. Yeah, this is going to be great to come back to and end, end of the season. Oh. Uh, jumping on to the ruck lineup, Gabby Seymour, obviously a true superstar last season from a fantasy perspective. Second highest scorer. If we're talking about set and forget rucks, is she one worth going with again? If you're going set and forget, 100%. We've made it pretty clear that set and forget is not the way to go. There's too much value there. And I almost think that Gabby's consistency, much like Moody at Carlton, is her biggest downfall. She doesn't have basement scores. That means that she can really drop in value and you can pick her up as you're looking for an upgrade from a rookie ruck as you roll through the season. She's someone that will benefit new midfielders, but I don't think she's someone that will benefit from new midfielders, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. I'm 
probably also going to go the rookie ruck route. But just to play devil's advocate here, because I don't necessarily think that the set and forget option is is a bad one. I, I can very much see there's a lot of value on other parts of the ground. When we're talking about the expansion teams, I might want to be fitting in uh, rookies from the, the midfield or or up forward. Let's say that I'm trying to fit my midfield with a few expansion side teams. So I've got Montana Ham in my midfield as the number one draft pick, Amelia Radford as well. There's a lot of exciting people that I expect to come in and really not just be solid for a first year player, but some of these girls have been playing footy for a very, very long time. And I expect them to come in and almost be ready-made players. So if that's happening, I might have the leftover cash that I may as well pay up for someone like a Gabby Seymour. Yeah, look, I get what you're saying, but I think it's more a case of that leftover cash. It means you're probably going to roll with a true Guns and Rookies midfield and then mid-priced madness in the forwards. I just also don't know that the ceiling scores are there. Like 80s is great, but when the, you can put the cash on top of a midfielder and that 60 becomes someone who can score 100, I just push comes to shove. I, I'm always going to tend towards put the cash on the head of your mids. I was running with. Uh, Alison Downey for most of the year, but also Olivia Fuller. These are the sort of rookie rucks that I was running. And it definitely, I reckon I would have averaged 35 across the season from all of them, just because the way that I, I know most of them average more than that, but the way that I ran them with them. But it's, it's that sort of thing where if you add that 35, that turns into an 80. That's the same jump, really. Uh, it's, it's a very viable strategy. And, and it's yeah, one it's, that I will a- consider when I'm booting my team. I, I can very much see if, if the cards fall that way, that I will go with someone like, like Gabby Seymour. It's going to be really tough. It's going to be a really interesting discussion. All right. Well, we might leave our analysis there. I think that was a, a good overview there of the, the Richmond Tigers and, and a great, great little insight from Gabby Seymour into how Richmond operate and, what it's like to be an FLW player over the, the past few years. Tomorrow we are on to the St Kilda Saints. So please keep an eye out for our episode tomorrow and our best 21 out on our socials. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us at FreeKickWPod. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Steven. And I'm on Twitter at LMTom1. Uh, thanks, everyone. We'll catch you tomorrow. See ya. <laughs>